Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror in media. And tonight, join us as we explore the vast fjords of Iceland and also this creepy little lamb creature. Little, little lamb. Little, little lamb hybrid, hybrid <laughs> thing. Yeah, as we delve into lamb. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. And I'm Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> right, uh, so A24 just keeps hey, delivering on these. I know everyone's very excited that I'm back. <laughs> yeah, after two episodes after of two Mitch episodes. being back, we have Mitch, we've lost Justine. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, uh, conflicting schedules is yeah. what keeps happening. So yeah. we're, we're, Justine's just feeling a little under the weather today. Yeah. yeah. So so we'll, we'll go. We, j- we just watched this, and I think we're still processing what exactly this director did. With this film, and it's his debut. What yeah. a debut for a film! And and as far as I know, another original idea from A twenty four. They were like, "This is it. We gotta we gotta grab this one and put it in the weird inventory of movies they've got." And like you said, uh, prior to the recording, you said that it took eight years to finish this kind of yeah. Script. So apparently, the the director, um, he was just he was thinking on it for a long time and him and the guy who wrote it, um, I'll have to find their names here in a second and they're very hard to pronounce. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Iceland. Yeah. For all the weird um, names. So directed by Vladimir. I'm going to guess Johansson. Yeah. Um, and then it was written by a guy named Jion. Jion. How do you say that? S J O N with the accent mark uh, on the like song. Probably. Song. <laughs> um, these two guys have been talking for years about writing it. And he created this background and lore off of several pictures and ideas that he had. Um, apparently he's just fascinated with sheep. And this led to this hybrid childlike version of what ends up coming. He based it off of a dream he had as a child, right? Yeah. Well, his mom suggested that that may be why he had this sort of, like dream that he went back to or this idea because when he was a child he kept a dream journal oh. and he would explain that in one of those he he himself was a hybrid animal like he woke up and he had goat horns and was trying to figure out like what had happened to him and so this could be some leftover things he didn't know about from when he was a kid and then he brought it into the the idea when he pitched it to the to the main girl in it um uh, numi rapace rapace she was like just sold on it immediately and this was she even mentioned that this was like the movie she's been waiting for like for a long time that that means a lot from an actor to be like this is it like this is the movie i've been waiting for and it's weird yeah (laughs) it's a it's a very interesting piece and uh, a24 keeps getting people out of their seats in the movie theaters yeah (laughs) you know so so immediately you should know it is a slow film oh yeah it's gonna make you wait literally the last 10 minutes of the movie to find out what exactly is happening. And I think it does it on purpose. It wants you to feel just as awkward and you actually weirdly bond with this family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're, you're, it's so wholesome watching the little lamb child, Ada. Yeah. Uh, hang out with uh, the, you know, the, the, the family. Uncle. Yeah, exactly. And like the uncle showing up and then um, he gets down on the drums too. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently he was in a band. And I guess just isn't in the band anymore. Yeah. Uh, pretty sure he got kicked out of the band. Yeah, is that what that was? Like, I'm pretty sure that that I don't was know like, why. I feel like because they are all wearing leather vests. Yeah, right? I thought it was more sinister. Like, right. I thought it was like like some drug things happening, but it's literally just a bandmate I getting mean, kicked out. At first, I just thought it was this homeless guy that oh. just got dumped <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere, and he just happens on their barn. So immediately when they see them, I'm like, I'm like, this guy should react 
my god by like beating um, this dude up or something <laughs> i wanted to talk a little bit about the production notes for sure um so this premiered at the Cannes film festival of course and then uh it was released in iceland on the 24th of september this year so very recent film yeah it also got uh was selected as the icelandic entry for the best international film feature at the 94th academy awards uh did it win no no it didn't win okay it, it got nominated, nominated got nominated um and in Icelandic, it translates to the name Dirio. It was produced by a lot of people that I cannot pronounce. I love that one of the production companies is called Go to Sheep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we have to fund it. Like, this is something that has to be within our, our books of something we fund it. Uh, the cinematography was done by Eli Aronson, who has some pretty great shots in this uh, film. Um, he's a, he, I'm a huge fan of, of what we saw in, as far as, like, production value and cinematography i'm a fan of the long take and stationary cameras unless you're moving with them while they're walking in which case they got amazing dolly shots right of, of moving with them but not too many a lot of these were stationary like you're kind of stuck there to view what they're showing you and then you pick out details as you're watching it, it also benefits from the setting which is a farmhouse in actual iceland yeah what a um, gorgeous place to fucking film shit. uh real fog real like huge daylight scenes where it's all daylight all the time i don't know if we've discovered if those are real lamb births they were doing i did not see anything about it but it's possible that they did have real animals um on set doing that i know that the the scene where the uh mom puts a little flower crown on the lamb that's a real lamb that they just had sitting there. Oh. <laughs> and, and that's why it moves the way that it does, too. It's well, like, get off my face. I read an interesting article where apparently the ch- the scene they got for that was completely by chance. That when, while they were filming, this lamb just suddenly got very still and connected with the actor. And the guy was like, this is great. And just kept filming Keep and going. caught that. <laughs> and so I'm just like, what a weird thing that's to so happen. Cool. But also a nice, like, cool film moment behind the scenes stuff. I know for a fact that they had a lamb as well as cat and dog coordinators on this because there are a good amount of animals. Um, there are so many production companies that helped with this. Uh, Go to Sheep, like you mentioned, Boom Films, Black Spark Production, Film Evas, Chimney Sweden, Chimney Poland, Rabbit Hole Productions, and, and Madams as well as being distributed by A24. So the box office budget or the box office for this made 2.8 million. Uh, it was one of the highest grossing Icelandic films probably of this year in the country yeah. of Iceland. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I did find something. She, uh, she actually did deliver a real lamb baby for that Fuck. shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. We, yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> yeah it's confirmed. Um, me. they asked her directly and she was like, yep, <laughs> that was real lamb. Yeah full-on you know. whatever that is that comes out uh, real <laughs> lamp placenta yeah there you go <laughs> and yeah they, they 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 managed to capture uh the birth of two different lambs <laughs> wow to, to get that scene which is like we were watching it we're like that looks very real yeah and then we, we were watching the uh the animals that came out and they right. they're alive they that is a real thing <laughs> um and that i don't have too much in the production but uh helping new meet repas we have the rest of the cast, which is Hilmer Snyder Gjornensson, Bjorn Hilner Haraldsson, Ingvar Eger, and Sjorgensen. And Yo. I made all of those up. I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, you either yeah. really know or you just made yeah, up the yeah, names. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm, I'm reading them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but man, how is that even real? Iceland, are you real? 
fire saga. Uh, the only thing <laughs> I could find about the actual like CGI slash child version of what you see is that it was both performed by a young actor as well as the visual effects team using like sort of a puppeteer. Yeah. Thing. So they, have, they had a puppet team. They fucking combined the two and created the the uh, the effect that you see in the film, which is very believable. Yeah, it didn't look like awkward CGI. That's where we're at in film today, where you have this like insanely good CGI, and it's just disturbing all the way through. Yeah, whenever whenever you hear a movie is going to have CGI in it, you're kind of like a okay, is this going to be good? Or is it going to look really bad? <laughs> um, I still can't believe this is a, a feature debut for this director. It's yeah. a very experimental kind of debut. Um, it's probably it. I think that explains why he got sources, so many sources of funding, because he probably had a hard time pitching this to people. And then they. That's why he ended up having like twenty different people give him money for it. I mean, imagine you're sitting there in a room. Yeah. And it's Paramount, and you're like, all right, so it's a movie <laughs> about a family with sheep. Just a bunch of execs. They're like, it's, does the sheep kill anyone? And they're like, no. No. Do you fuck the sheep? No. No, get out. <laughs> get out. You don't, we, don't, we only want it to be, if you're going to include sheep, it better be a bestiality movie, or otherwise we're just not buying it. That's like Splice, I'm looking at you. Because oh, <laughs> that movie is fucked. Well, the thing is, for me, I, I have no idea what the Go to Sheep uh, production company is like, but I feel like they- I need to look it up. I feel like they expertise in lamb and sheep-related films, like documentaries or something. That would be so good if it did. Um, but yeah, so this, this movie basically follows, uh, the two main characters. Uh, I think it's Maria and, uh, Yarden. So they live on a, a lamb farm and they basically just tend to their sheep and they basically live the everyday, like, you know, libertarian type of deal where they have their own materials that they make and they live off the land and they are isolated and far away from everyone and just trying to just make money by tending their farm it's very cute and wholesome and they drink a lot of fucking coffee in this movie they do <laughs> and eggs aplenty because you know that's all that lumberjacks and people like that eat just coffee and fucking eggs so i was wondering we met you noticed it at the beginning is that there's one single night at the beginning and right. then the rest of it, it looks like it's just all daylight. And so this is this, are they only showing us the day or is it just a, a place where you get that perpetual daylight for like a month? And it's, it's, it's possible. It could be during that time, yeah. that time or they're, you know, just taking their you know shots where they are. Right. Um, it never is nighttime though. The, it's very interesting. It brings me up to like a, a story kind of thing because there are places in the world that they'll get just perpetual daylight or perpetual yeah. darkness. For Alaska like, being like one of the most known ones, I think. For like months or days yeah. at a time. Yeah, you get a whole month. Right. It's you, fucking scary. You get it both ways. You get a whole month of daylight and a whole month of night. So you have people like sleeping in broad daylight just trying to cover up so their windows. So this is already disturbing on its own because you have to sort out going to sleep at a specific hour even though it's daylight. Right. But then this movie reminds me of Midsommar where you have a horror film happening in broad daylight. Although this one I would say is more like a thriller. Yeah. So the daylight in Iceland is from mid-May to mid-August and the sun only sets for around three hours per day and there is effectively light for the whole 24-hour period. In midwinter, there are around five hours of effective daylight. Oh, it's the opposite shoot. in winter. Okay, so yeah, 
this definitely was a a, a thing that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also brings me to the uh, to the first conversation that the main characters have with each other, where they're talking about time travel, and basically how they're just like, oh, they theoretically figured out that time travel could be a thing, and so the husband goes, well, if they're if they're gonna try to go in the future, like I kind of enjoy where I am in the present. Right. And so he's kind of like, it's kind of like he's getting locked into this day cycle where they, the characters have a kid, quote unquote. So this starts to make a little more sense for me after the fact and we researched a little bit. So this kind of plays out like a, a story, like a little uh, a kid's bedtime story. The reason why is because they do exist in this very secluded area. Nothing really happens outside of it. And then things come in to sort of ruin what's going on. Right. Yeah. Technically, the dad didn't do anything wrong. Oh, the no. whole film. So he's like probably the most innocent person. Uh, maybe a little mopey. Yeah. That's probably the worst I, thing that I he could, did. I could argue it's a tragedy for him. Right. Yeah. And so right at the beginning, we get this idea that like from that conversation that you mentioned at the table that she is regretting something and we later confirm that they've lost children. Yeah. And so this is very important for her. And then you have this overlapping idea of how people deal with parenthood and the loss of your children and what that, what sort of desperation that brings you to. And in this case, it's sort of like supernatural where you have this child that most people probably wouldn't keep because it's a little disturbing for them to be able to see an animal and treat it like of a human and so then you have these conflicting ideas of like who's going to treat it which way but everybody in the movie at least the three people they all treat the little baby well and you they end up bonding with her um the slow descent it takes a long time to get there because uh at first we kind of just they kind of look at it and they look in each other's eyes and they have this like look of kind of like disgust (laughs) and concern and we know that something's fucked up with this lamb baby uh, but we don't oddly know what enough exactly. uh i i started it feeling awkward about it but then closer to the end i was like oh like i would probably end up bonding with this kid too it's like you get used to the yeah the, the child being around just like they they just kind of get used to it yeah. they adapt even if the the kid is weird looking and even the uncle who is about to fucking shoot this child oh God, is, in, is okay with him he really takes her. the little girl out and like has the gun and is ready to shoot and then it's like no nope, better not do that next, although we next did scene, have they're like cuddling with each other yeah they're like whole, and so it's like it's oddly wholesome for a weird thriller-esque like horror film and i'm like, i'm almost reluctant to call it a horror film but it is it has so many elements that are unique in the genre thriller i wouldn't consider it that like really because it doesn't have those like high stress moments True. really as often it's very calm it's almost so in its own genre a, a that it's sort of created it could be kind of like it's just a, mystery. a blend of it, a it probably is just a drama mostly because uh, you end up having all the the feelings that are going on but we did notice at the beginning that there was only there so i missed it at the beginning and only saw it after the reading but you guys noticed that it does start with a creature arriving right like and you don't know what it is but the sheep are all disturbed and so you you have an idea of what's happened but then you have the the um the parents who are trying to figure out what to do with this baby and so you then have to kind of choose a side while you're watching maria already knows immediately yeah. she's like i'm gonna mother it this right. is my child now and i have a child thank we've been blessed you even you, know? you even go to like certain lengths if you didn't catch the creature in the beginning like did the the father figure in this fuck the lamb yeah, which, yeah that's which what totally what i was really thinking. Fucking we're weird. expecting it and um 
we, so we kind of get an idea when you see this really big lamb in the beginning and it even has a marking on its forehead which is interesting because uh the mom eventually takes the mother lamb out and right. shoots her and or well because she, the lamb won't won't stop hanging out yeah. under under the window so yeah. she, she's definitely i almost wonder if because the the little lamb was taken away that she called on the dad to be like i need you to get the kid back Right, there's there's like a, a force of nature trying to get the kid back. Yeah. But um it kinda just seemed like for me it was like the mother was like, That's my fucking kid, give me the kid, you know. Yeah. The mother lamb. Um when it gets taken out of the picture, it feels like some supernatural force comes over the farm. Yeah. To a point where like this guy is coming back for his kid. Well, it also doesn't help that it's a pretty strong religious metaphor of having uh the sheep get killed and then you have that innocent blood on your hands right and then you didn't you mention that there's something specific about the tag yes that gets put um, onto the the little sheep i believe the tag is 3115 which references jeremiah th- uh, 3115 which basically says that uh we should not weep for our children because they are already gone yeah which is like fuck. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they keep adding on stories to it there's even a little uh bedtime story that he tells the little uh, little girl hybrid. Yeah, sheep. it's like a yeah. He tells the sheep the story of that's like Swamlang or La Dima Dim or yeah Dima Lim Lim or something yeah, like that. Yeah, like <laughs> it's like the uh, Irish Icelandic uh, uh, version of it. And in that version of the story, the a little girl who's a princess goes outside of the palace walls and finds a um, a swan that ends up turning into a prince. But apparently, this prince was cursed. And turned into an animal, so it's one of those stories, like Princess and the Frog, it's, uh, sort of thing. The same reference is also in the book that the mother is reading, "The Heart of the Dog." Yeah, um, which uh, you won't catch unless you translate the Icelandic that's on the front cover. Yeah, we had to like double check the book name. <laughs> um, basically, it, it tells the story of a, a stray dog that basically comes across some people, and some surgeons basically help him become an anthropomorphic kind of being. And they basically use them for political reasons to show the quote-unquote new Soviet in that book. Interesting. Uh, it was very Red Scare kind of times kind of thing. Oh, okay. But uh, the anthropomorphic uh, uh, properties and like uh, uh, symbolism is very prevalent uh, in the book. So it's, it's, it's kind of ironic that she's reading it. Um, uh, yeah, I was wondering. They don't really show it in the film, but... Um, like, do they go to like resupply somewhere like for any other stuff or is it like, do we just catch them in a moment where they weren't doing that and they just stay there? I don't even know how many days passed. It probably wouldn't. It, they're probably going to, mostly this movie is going to show you people doing their routines, right? doing their routines of living on a farm. But when it comes to like going off and get supplies, I mean, it's clear that they are able to leave to go to find out where the bus is. So I imagine it's just not something the director wanted to show yeah, us. Yeah, he wanted that isolation. Yeah. I appreciate it because I would have hated uh, having like a 30-minute section where they go to town and she's trying to show off this lamb child. Yo, so, okay, so maybe maybe my expectations weren't in the right place. I'm not upset about watching the movie, mm-hmm. but I was expecting maybe something more violent and grotesque. Yeah, yeah I was expecting this. Like, like I wanted more angry sheep. <laughs> like I was, ex- I was surprised that the sheep aren't like you know have the characters walk and then it pans over and then there's just like a shitload of sheep just gathered around, not in their pins. They did do one particular scene which was awesome, yeah, where they like reflected light off of the the sheep's eyes and they all look demonic, <laughs> like yeah, evil very in the very menacing. And but that's the only bit they did. 
I'd say that like they're really only there for the first uh, third of the story, chapter one. Yeah. Also, interesting is they did it in chapters, right. which is something that is only in storybooks and um, like actual books, books. And two like, four movies. And yeah, <laughs> didn't the Green Knight do it too? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're they're definitely looking for a specific type of movie, and this is one of those where it's kind of in an in between space for what you are expecting out of a film, out of a story, and how they combine the elements together. And in this one, you have to be patient. The same way that you have to be patient when someone tells you a story. Books take forever to get to their points, and it's because they have the time to do so. They have a lot of space to be able to tell you, so they will spend like half the chapter explaining to you about the location that they're at. And then you get into what right. the story's about, where the film medium has to do it really quickly, and it has to do it in the first few seconds, but they did not give a fuck. I appreciate that they took a long time to get to where they're showing so that you sit there and you're well established in what you're looking at. But this is not popular. We were talking about it earlier. Um, not super popular amongst modern film viewers. They're not, uh, not a patient group uh, of people. This is the general populace. Yeah. No, not um, popular at all. The fact, the fact is, like, I watched Midsummer in theaters and, and several people walked out. And several people were, wild. Very, were very pissed off when the movie ended. Yeah, um, same with The Green Knight. They so, were like, yeah. why the fuck did I watch that? Um, so it... <laughs> You're going into this thinking like this is gonna be like a crazy like lamb like like psychedelic fest like because the thing is the the trailers were playing out to be something different. Uh, the, I feel like the trailers were making it out to be more horrific, right? Like very right. scary shit. Yeah, and there so there wasn't necessarily anything in here that will scare you, but like, there is things that will disturb you. Yes, like <laughs> so the, it's interesting. The baby version of the lamb in the crib was just like creepy. A, oof. There's one shot where uh, the dog goes out and barks at the bean that is basically making these kind of creatures. And in one shot, we had to go back to it. You could see the reflection in Ada's eyes. Ooh, this giant, great giant shot. fucking thing. Also, unfortunately, spoiler alert, the dog does not survive. Yeah, so zero out of ten for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, we're cutting it right now. Like, this is, that, this is whack. I was, I was bummed. There's too many cute scenes with that dog. and Such yeah. a well-trained dog, too. They must, like, this must be a pretty legit farm like sheep dog that they brought onto set to be able to be with these people right it was actually like doing what it was supposed to do all the time tell I'm them like, yeah tell them about the fucking cat so great so they <laughs> so the main character Numi, she's talking about how she dealt with animals on set and she was dealing with the sheep which is great but apparently there's the cat that was in the movie and it refused to do anything they asked it to do and like the trainers were getting frustrated because it was supposed to jump on top of the bed and interact with the main character maria right and it would not do it on camera, which is why it's very minimal that um, you see the cat in the movie. So there was that one point with the candy you were mentioning. Yeah, so there's these little bits and treats that you can throw to, like, bring a cat to a certain location. It's like catnip. And the woman, uh, uh, Maria, is laying in her bed, and she has to pretend that this candy is not just hitting her on the head as they're throwing it. And she's like, come on, come on, like, we need the cat to get on the bed. And then as soon as the director cuts the cat gets on the bed to eat the treats when they're not filming. And it just keeps doing shit like that. I'm like, this cat was such a troll on set to like fuck with all of them. What's up with a two four films and their animals just being assholes. Right. <laughs> like the dude actually getting gored <laughs> by the fucking, Ooh. by the fucking, uh, Ram sheep. Uh, or was it a, it was a goat yeah, in that goat. one in the witch. Yeah. Yeah. Black Phillip, Ralph Innocent actually getting injured. Technically speaking, the devil himself yeah. <laughs> in the film, as far as their lore is concerned. Yeah, so. that's, that's the thing. In that movie, I, I look at the fucking goat. I'm like, that's a fucking demon. <laughs> um, yeah, so strangely wholesome movie. Lamb is like strangely wholesome. And I, I think it would have been a little more effective if they leaned into the like sort of demonic 
creature spiritual thing that like kind of looms over their farmstead and then this is kind of something they avoid it and instead went a different direction so good for them for making it unique it, it made me believe that whatever the the elephant in the room the giant like uh goat man yeah the half hybrid that is making these kind of things right it made me think that maybe this is like an old icelandic or nordic tale uh, but it's not. It is something that is completely original. There are stories about what what most people would call chimeras, which is okay. a mix of people and a certain animal. But nothing. No, there's no specific folklore that's about an Ice, Icelandic mountain man sheep thing. So like yeah, this no. is kind of an original thing that he created, and so they. I think he made it purposely vague so that you would know. I think what was interesting was that she doesn't really do anything about it. Like she doesn't chase after him, and she kind of knows like she may have known that it was kind of coming to her that like after she killed the mom and was like kind of on bot time while she was taking care of this child. And so then has to kind of move on from there. So you have that ending where she just like has to deal with it. Just sobs over her. Dead yeah. Husband. Just, yeah. And like the, the husband gets killed or fucking shot straight through the neck, what which is wild to me because he knows shot. how to use a gun. Yeah. So like how long has this creature been around? just making these sheep babies. And I then mean, he knows how to use a gun. I, <laughs> I said this earlier, but this is like the, it's kind of a funny premise almost for a, a monster bit. where you're like, this goat man comes and then he fucks your sheep this, and then this, he'll be bestowed a little satyr baby. Like, this sounds like something Zeus would do. Yeah. <laughs> or this fucker just shows up. Straight up. <laughs> a weird God who's like, you know what? I feel like it's like a little man. demigod that just hangs out on the fjords yeah. and is like, hey, it, it makes, pretty hot sheep you got there. It makes you speculate where he takes the kids to. Also, yeah, you don't know where the fuck they went. Where is the land of sheepmen? So this totally opens up the idea of po- the possibility of so much more existing without actually showing you i'm also glad that like she didn't grab the gun and go towards it or like try to confront it or deal with it because that would have been that would have left for like a really bad sequel yeah i mean like a revenge kind of tale that we don't need it's kind of her punishment for killing the mother as well she loses her husband instead so it's kind of like yeah so he could have stuck around maybe and waited and like you know Perched up on a sniping spot and be that's, like, I'll just wait for her. And you, then that's the tragedy of the, yeah. the tale, the husband for sure. So, what I'm thinking is, uh, what sort of gets created in the story is a, a story about how she gets punished for her actions in a different way than you might expect. And so, this is, uh, this is interesting and also kind of awful because you have a mother who's desperate to have a child, gets a child in the most odd way. And tries to take care of them, but then puts everyone else in danger, including yeah. her husband and even the little sheep baby who doesn't really know what's going on. You have to assume that, like, while it is developing like a normal child, they don't know that they're different from everybody. So you have elements in here that they don't really go to explore, but you know it's something that they'll have to deal with at some point. And then it just gets cut off when she gets taken back. Right. You could tell that the 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 sheep uh, daughter, Ada definitely cares about the dad yeah she's like holding on to him sleep with him and so this is what makes it hard to see the kid get taken away because this is also another cycle of her losing her child again and so like she has what three graves when she visits that site yeah so has basically lost three children and we don't know if it was like a stillborn child if it was a miscarriage and so then you have this supernatural cycle of her losing her child again but then she loses her husband as well 
And so you then have these parents dealing with uh, like loss of parenthood and like having to deal with bearing children. So you have that element being all the way throughout the story. In addition to the supernatural, I think that's what overtakes the main story of it. And so you then you sympathize with them a lot. You end up being like, oh, you you bond with this kid just as much as they do. And if you don't look for details in movies, you're just going to see a goat man shoot someone. Right. Yeah. So, so a lot of hidden details that we notice. We, I could understand why the audience score for this is like a 66 percent because, you know, they're probably expecting a more more lamb murder, more more <laughs> demonic lambs just going amok. Yeah. More creep like actual creep, more creepy shit, which is what I kind of wanted from it, too. Yeah, but I, I, do I was for a little more I was happy with it though. I, I couldn't say that I was like, well, that was a giant waste of time. I didn't yeah, feel it that was way. pretty solid. Um, and uh, this is this is a hard take for a lot of people, but I know all of us here enjoy longer films, and so it didn't feel like it was too long. Um, I do feel like the ending's a little bit rushed, um, even though the film is long, which is kind of an ironic thing yeah. to happen. And I do think that maybe the director and the writer were kind of struggling to come to a, a, an ending that they liked. And any article that I read said that their ending wasn't really set until like one of their final days of shooting. Shoot. And so they got different versions of the ending. One, which in fact is that she does follow oh, the shit. character and she like disappears into the fog. And so you don't know what happens. I mean, that that could also work, you know. Right. It, it, that's the thing that could work, and it could also not work. Yeah, but he he wanted to end it with sort of like her pain and like that she has to deal with it. And so I think what they were almost getting at was he was making a commentary about how people would respond to a parent situation like that. So, like, what do you do when you go to parents and they've lost children? You, there's nothing you can say to console yeah, fathering them. Fathering a child from another parent. Also. Or, or parenting a child yeah. from You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Mothering a child from another well, parent. Well, there's even and... people who have a negative perspective on, say, stepchildren, on children that are not your own blood. There's people who are very much don't want to adopt kids because of that. And so I think they're making a lot of commentary about that fear, too, of just dealing with a family that's not traditional. And in this case, it's they've added the supernatural element so that it's just a little more wild, and you're not just having a drama about someone adopting another person's kid. Yeah, I mean, I mean, someone could just stand in front of a camera and tell you, "Hey, adopting kids." <laughs> yeah. A lot of people got problems. Turned with that. into a PSA, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if, when you add these other elements, it becomes a fun little adventure. And that's something I've loved about A24 movies is every time that we get done watching them, there's always a discussion to be had about the movie. Yeah. Every single time. Yeah. Like, there's never. Um, they, whoever has been eyeballing the movies that they choose is like we're they're looking for an element of uh, very much the in-between that we mentioned earlier of the storybook telling of things. Very surreal. Like I think they're very leaning into hard into the surrealist films. And uh, that may be something that is becoming a little more popular again. We had it popular like, you know, like the 70s when you had Dario Argento making all of his shit. <laughs> and yeah. so now I think we're starting to get into those elements of surreal horror that are coming back in well, a different way. What's the other guy? Jurodowski? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That guy's so cool. You, so you have these kinds of things um, that are being shown. Um, probably not as violent, but we have so much more technology now that they're able to do something like this. Because if you saw this in a 
in a classic film made 30, 40 years ago, it would have been practical effects and it would have made it campy. It probably would have been yeah. laughed at really hard. <laughs> yeah. And it would have been a, like a weird cult classic kind of movie. Although in in this weird way, this might end up being a cult classic for people who are very specific about what they're looking well, for. I'm sure there's a whole meme page about it. All, all <laughs> I'm sure there the are people that work with lambs and sheep and they are fucking ecstatic that they, they got some representation. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, that is what I do. I do get on a tractor every oh morning. And there is coffee and there are sheep. <laughs> um, I do have to say that I was very surprised uh, about the shooting of the mom sheep. Just oh like yeah! Point blank shoots it in the head and then buries it like no ceremony. These movies seem to just love killing an animal to get yeah. stuff going, right? And so the thing is, too, is we kind of expected it after we saw the fucking animals get killed. After the mom gets killed, we're like, that can't be good. And it's like it's we know from then on that something bad is going to happen. And so she's kind of on a time clock from that point. A little slow descent. I mean, she even has to deal with like uh, the uncle trying to hit on her. Yeah. So a second B-list story that uh, kind of doesn't get super explored. But uh, this is also religious. He's literally coveting his uh, brother's wife. Mm-hmm. And this is like something that is in, say, like one of the commandments. Or like, yeah, not to covet someone's wife, and so they have religious elements in here, but not overtaking a huge amount of the story because it's obviously not a place where like Christianity is probably a huge thing. She has lamb's blood on her face. Which she does is another, definitely another biblical reference of some sort. It's you it's, use the lamb, the lamb's blood to well, basically mark the the. The it's a protection. Well, no. Yeah. So you remember you have uh, like you got to go way back to when the um the plagues happen. In order to save your firstborn child, right. you have to spread lamb's blood on oh, your doorway. Shit. Oh, and yeah. So shit. then you have this specific religious reference of her doing that, and then it doesn't work. So, but the thing is, is it's not her kid to begin with. So then you're wondering like who was like. So they they have these elements added in, but they don't fit in as neatly as you want. But mm-hmm. it is very much that she's covered in that blood, or, or she gets blood on her hands when she delivers a lamb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that she was cleaning her face right after shooting the mother lamb. Yeah, which is crazy. Like so. <laughs> Yeah, but so that's where I'm saying like there's like that washed in the blood of the lambs sort yes. of reference is what we're getting here. Um, I'm trying to figure out how it fits in, like as you were saying, it's not exactly the neatest. How do you save your kids if they're already gone? Uh, also, <laughs> well, yeah. So you, so you get the, so you get the number tag on one of the lambs previously, where it says not to like mourn your kids, basically because they're gone, and it sort of seems like that's what she's doing, right? Like right. she's living her life, but then she has this uh, opportunity that arises, but it comes in a very kind of twisted way, where it's like this could even be posed that an evil force put this baby in her care to punish her and make things worse. And so this is sort of like the temptation of wanting to take care of, of a child, even though you shouldn't have. And Ooh. so then they, they get into the idea of uh, the possibility of maybe having to pass on being a parent. And so that ends up being a hard choice for people who either have to deal with abortion or giving up their kids altogether. Like maybe it's not cut out for them. Yeah. Like maybe they shouldn't have been parents to begin with right. um, because you kind of see them, a lot of times not paying attention to the kid. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Getting, getting drunk and letting the kid run around Kid and runs around and we don't know where they're going. I fully expected this kid. To they, get how many times did the kid run away? Like, like eight times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just like you end up having this, this, uh, m- this idea that they may not have been the most fit parents because right. they were not very, uh, adamant about watching the kid. They lose the kid. Like 
what a day after getting it yeah. yeah and and like they're trying to figure out where where the little girl went and they find her with the mom out in the, there in the fog which i think the to be honest i felt like that was like the mom trying to get the little girl away and like they might have been waiting for the dad or something Ooh. and so when she when she like shouts at it to go away he could have been nearby so yeah, there's just things like that for me, I was also trying to look in reflections as well as yeah. looking in, in, in far past or like far shots to see if anything was out there. So if you maybe pay attention because I only caught it in the eye of, of, of Ada, uh, yeah. you could probably f- find the guy somewhere. Also a little fucked up that uh, she reused the name from because yeah. oh, yeah. from, from, I feel like usually Definitely. when I hear of people who've lost children they don't reuse names they will usually come up with a new name and then always have a memorial say for for whatever child has passed and so in this case she was really putting all her hope into this kid being her kid like forever that's just like one of those like story archetypes where it's like yeah it's Jessica this isn't Jessica man yeah like, fuck. like she died 30 years ago you know yeah they did really pull in on that idea um, it's it usually the people who are just uh, out there and like they they really need this to happen and need this to work um there was a um i came across of course because there's always reddit posts about everything uh, there was a, a reddit post that theorizes that um the mom was not well and that the uh the baby that they were that they had there was either non-existent or that it was a child that ends up uh dying and so this is one of the episodes that happens and that she may have possibly killed him <laughs> and i'm just like oh god that's a terrible theory right, right. but like people want to uh put things together like that oh man this is a doozy of a film uh did you guys have any favorite scenes mm. I feel like I had a, a lot of smaller ones that are really good. The the menacing sheep is a great shot. Um, looking through door frames, they did a lot in the film. And in hallways, yeah. And in hallways. And um, they like quite literally framed <laughs> their, what you're looking at. And so you end up having a, a nice visual metaphor along with some great cinematography. So those static shots were really what I was looking for. I don't know if it's a singular scene, but the scene where they're all watching the game and then they start watching the uncle's um, like fucking goth his, his, like, his like goth project oh, yeah, or whatever. He stands up and starts singing. I mean, and he it kind of it, it, it's such a joyful thing that it kind of draws you into the same sort of um, allure that they're in as yeah. well, where they're drunk, they're partying, and they've completely forgot that the kids like even <sighs> available. And even at this point, like they don't even know the cat's gotten out. Yeah, and they have they have no idea what's going on. They just like you know, and it kind of draws you in and creates some. It's a good distraction, and what you might experience as a parent, where you get a little distracted mm-hmm. because you're you're just hanging out with your friends. That's why they always check rivers first. Oh, uh, oh, dang! He really did go down to yeah, the river. Yeah, because huh? you never know. I, I did that as a kid. Figure, figure yeah. I was like, wild. I was two years old. I fell in a river. Oh shit! Uh, That's wild. Fucking thanks, Dad. Oh no! <laughs> Save me. <laughs> oh, that's crazy! Yeah, um, for shit. For me, my favorite scene is the 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 excellent like shot. I don't know how they got it, but um, where the father is just screaming for I think the original daughter. Oh, he's screaming Ada, and it's like a, a water grass patch. Yeah, nothing, nothing. It looks like a like I thought it was a sound studio or something like that, but it looks no. It's just an real. area they found where it was very very open and it disappears into fog at the edge of the frame. And then you finally uh, the wife comes and touches him on the shoulder and he gets back to reality and he's like holding this new version of Ada. Yeah, so I don't know if maybe I missed it, but was that supposed to be like 
he was maybe looking for her at some point. I think he was looking for the original one. Yeah. Because he looked a lot younger in that one. Yeah. And uh, it kind of, he was just, he looked like a different person. Quick kinda flashback. Like, could have been like a like nightmare flashback. Also, yeah, it could have been yeah. something like that. Um, aside from that, I do feel like, I like while I enjoyed the ending scene of, of the goat man showing up with the gun, uh, it, it has too many questions to be asked. Like, how does he know how to use a gun? How long has he been there? Why do they show his entire body? Where do they take him? Like, it's just, <laughs> and, I, and I almost feel like it's the monster thing that gets spoiled at the end. And I'm not a fan of showing the complete monster. How, how would you have felt if you would have hear, uh, heard, like, the gunshots and all you see is the big feet and the gun drop and then just... You just see the the, the land. I think I would have preferred that, or right. like you just see the top of the head, and it's just right. for the or the ram. back back with yeah. Them any one out. of those would have worked well for it, yeah. right? Keeps the scary alive when you don't know what. The yeah, because you're thing filling is. in the gaps of what it looks like. I feel like people are just kind of gonna laugh at that kind of scene, kind of like this is fucking dumb. Oh, sorry, you know, right? Even though the the movie is outlandish already. Um, oh, definitely. Okay, so we gotta go for final ratings then. Mm. I think I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. I'm only going to give it a seven because of personal perspective and what I wanted out of it. So like expectations were not set correctly by the, both the description and the trailer. Right. Right. Um, I think that I was kind of expecting something different. Um, and I would have wanted more about the characters. We are kind of sparse on who they are, where they come from, why they're here you only get this this one overlapping idea of parenthood and that's kind of it. I'm going to have to give it a 7 as well. I agree with those points. I kind of feel that the problem with it is that when I look at and film scores, I kind of think of uh would I watch this again? Yeah. Um, I so like how does it hold up again. on the second <laughs> or third watch? So for me, I think it's one of those things where you have to watch it once to to see what the hype is about and the buzz for a new A24 film. Yeah, right. Um, but it leaves a lot of questions, like John says. But it does some really great things. The lighting and the cinematography. Yeah, whoever they got for are incredible for those bits. The cinematography is gorgeous. Um, so great production design, great cinematography. They knew what they were doing. The when CGI. The came. I don't know if I'll say it holds up in a couple of years, but right, right now yeah. it feels really strong. The cutting edge of what you're able to create in film. And uh, I don't know. It, I didn't expect the weird wholesome movie, but I kind of did too because they kind of had like the uh, wouldn't it be nice if we were older in the trailer. Yeah. Um, so I kind of expected it was going to be like a weird half and half of a mix of horror and a mix of happy. So I give it a seven. I think I'll check it out only if I were to watch it with another friend to like weird them out. Yeah. We really weird somebody out. We were also making a lot of commentary while we were watching it. Cause we were like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> what do you think, Mitch? All right. So this movie, I'm giving it a seven also. <sighs> I, I was really hoping that this would be a lot more like, I don't know, more sinister in yeah, some, in I some agree. places. I really wanted more of the, I don't know. I want I wanted some more creepy stuff to happen. And it, what I got instead was a, a fun family movie with like a, I got like a drama family movie out of it. Basically. Yeah, it definitely became a drama <laughs> out of it. And so, um, I think this would have been great if it turned into, uh, like where you got to see the sheep show up a little more, like if it got in the house, 
and like was by the by the cradle like, by the bed see, scenes where they're like gathered around them all yeah. weird and stuff that would have definitely upped my that unsettles people or, yeah. really well so and i don't i don't know what the reasoning not for doing that was but i mean like said the cinematography is great i even like like the dialogue i i i, appre- I appreciate that it's in like another language also that's super pretty cool. minimal yeah very minimal. you have to have i don't know like maybe only 10 to 15 minutes of dialogue the rest is very visual yeah and so you're getting told about their life by showing their daily schedule and like what they're doing so it's interesting that they took that element yeah. and really stretched it out to show you what it's like to be out there and nobody's rushing you like you're on your own time there's yeah. no clocks in yeah. here either oh yeah you never know what time it i is. don't think they ever check the time they never ask each other. Doesn't the time. matter. They're stuck in twenty-four hour daylight. Yeah, no, like, and, yeah, exactly. And they're, they're stuck also, in the present. Yeah, so interesting that they don't even they don't even have the time to talk about where they might be and how they've gotten there. So they're really just living in that moment. So they're living in their own little bubble. That just makes the first conversation all that better. Yeah, right. You get a, a layering that sort of sets the premise for what you are expected from expecting from them. Oh, when, so. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When I look at the first dialogue for a lot of movies, I, I kind of just have an ex- uh, expectation like this is going to probably set it for the rest of the movie. It is very tough. This usually the first lines is kind of you're right. It does set a lot of the mood for uh, for film. So you have to be careful. And I'm a huge fan of not having dialogue for a long time in the beginning to kind of make you guess. Um, I think it's uh, there will be blood like 30 minutes of the film in the beginning no talking oh yeah it's just him working in the and he's, oil shaft yeah and he's working in the shaft, and you get an idea of who he is and how he's going to treat his kid right from that get-go and so this is something that they did and did well for it so visual t- storytelling really good job not enough meat for the characters i think yeah. they could have gotten not enough lamb on that chop <laughs> yeah not enough lamb on that chop oh man well, but yeah i'd say that's it okay cool <laughs> well that is lamb it came out this year 2021 iceland's dave you know iceland's fucking morsel of fun for us <laughs> Dir- directorial debut yeah yeah directorial debut by uh from mr johansson <laughs> yeah so that's cool Let's see uh, what else he's gonna make after that fuck yeah all right so i'm gonna walk us for on sure. out uh grab your coats and shit it's actually kind of hot today Um, yeah take off your pants put on shorts yeah there we go uh thank you for listening to bringing down the grindhouse a podcast where we discuss horror and media uh thank you for checking us out please make sure to check out our patreon where for two dollars a month you could get access to all our bonus content and recommend a piece of horror media for us to review we take it into heavy consideration um also check out our social medias we have the facebooks the twitters and the instagrams We've been kind of uh, lagging a little bit due to the holidays as well as other things, but we are getting right back on track and we will be preparing for our season three, season two. So technically it's going to be two because we kind of just continue through the first two years. (laughs) So I think we're set for a nice refresh. Yeah, we're going to do a new season and we are going to be very uh, specific about the schedule that we're going through as far as films. We will definitely try to get as many of the new horror films as they come out. Um, while they're while they're coming out yeah, so we still got to cover antlers yeah we are wanting to do antlers as well which i know came out um probably like a month or so ago and so we're wanting to do that one as well but we Schedule will have is gonna get loaded <laughs> yeah we're, yeah we're about to have a lot there's also a lot of good horror films coming out next year and so we'll be going through a whole bunch of them but it'll be nice to have that reset yeah so just stay up to date with all that on the uh internets as well as leave us a comment and tell us how we're doing and what kind of things you want to discuss about 
We also have our merch where we have cups, mugs, and T-shirts yeah. with uh, several designs of our own on there. And uh, just check it out. Every time you make a purchase, you help the podcast a little bit more, and we really appreciate that. And coming this week from famed director, writer, <laughs> and producer, Shameless self-promotion of my short Sotelo. film. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to... We're in the final stages of a post-production for a short film that I've made. I wrote and directed it, and so it will pretty much be done we're recording on a sunday and it should be done tomorrow which is monday we're gonna so the sixth is when we're expecting it to be done and then i'm gonna put it up onto vimeo and then be submitting it to some festivals we're gonna also put that link on our link tree so if you are you are curious to see what kind of vision john has so, yeah, that, that will be That'll cool be dope. to check yeah, out. Yeah, I'll share the link to everybody so you can check it out. Also, the Cybermancer album. Oh, coming hell out yeah. within a week Your or artwork's two. getting done, huh? The artwork is so close to being done. Oil uh, fresh <laughs> oil painting from a wonderful lad named Brandon Elliott but, yeah. uh, on Instagram. Uh, that is an electronic album that I made with one of my best friends. We've been working on it for a couple months now. It literally sounds like video games. So... If you like big, dumb sci-fi and big, dumb fantasy, uh, yeah, be my friend first and then listen to the Cyberman <laughs> Yeah, the requirement to listen is to be my friend. Sorry, guys. All right. Well, that's it. I'm Mitch. I'm Murr. <laughs> I almost said I'm just you. <laughs> I'm Jonathan. Thank you. <laughs>